and we appreciate our speaker who has come today, the Right Reverend Ralph Okafor. Kaiko Pulumi Jesus Aka. Sir Daddy in the Lord, the servant of God that many of us know so well. And there's probably no need for introduction. But in case there are those who have not known him, we welcome our daddy. You're welcome, sir. He's the retired bishop of Ihiala. He's somebody who has brought up many of us, whether it's scripture union or other avenues or churches in any good diocese. He's been our big daddy. Welcome, sir. Let me also right away mention that mom is here, engineer Mrs. Okafo, our big mommy. You're welcome, ma. Thank you, sir. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. We greet all of you in the precious name of Jesus Christ. Amen. We thank God for the privilege of being here. As um, we have been reminded, it's really a privilege that all of us are still alive, especially in a country like ours and in a world like ours, uh, where many, many things are happening in these last days because we know that we are living in the last days. So we thank God for the opportunity to share fellowship with every one of you, those of you who are already here. I want to appreciate the chapel leadership and the outreach committee for all their work and um, for you people inviting us to share the word of God with you. I know you have been dealing with uh, the subject and maybe uh, you will go on dealing with it because it's a very, very important and very re relevant um, theme for us at this time in our journey in our pilgrimage. I want to thank the prayer team, the choir, the band, and all of us who are working together. We have not come here to see anybody. You know, we are, we are, we are a team working for this weekend. And we believe that it will be a weekend of blessing for every one of us in the name of Jesus Christ. We have gathered here in the name of that person that we know, the greatest name on earth, the name of Jesus Christ. We have gathered to hear him. We have gathered to receive from him and not from any other person. He who fed over 5,000 people and over 4,000 people because of his compassion that person is here with us to meet us at the points of our needs. That's the person we have come to see, to hear him, to touch him, and to receive from him. If you are saying amen, let it be loud enough. Amen. We have come with that name, and we have come with the word of God, because that's what we have. That word that is the sword of the spirit. That word that is sharper than any two-edged sword. 
that word that he sent forth and healed them. That word that can sanctify. That word that we know can do so many things. And so, we are going to pray and um, I'm going to do Bible reading. Bible reading. You know, many years ago, we used to talk about Bible reading instead of exposition. And sometimes we used to talk about back to the Bible conference and things like that. So the word of God we speak to us, every one of us. And um, the spirit of God himself will interpret the word for us. And then apply the word of God in our lives. And I'm sure that as the word of God goes forth. And the spirit of God takes the word of God to us individually. We will all praise him. We will all rejoice. We will all go out and confess that we have been in the presence of the Lord. Not that we came to hear Bishop Okafor. Because he has no name. Hallelujah. The Lord is here. His spirit is with us. The Lord is here. And his spirit is with us. Amen. Shall we stand? The band will help me if they can join me in this song. But it's a very simple song which all of us can join as we read the scriptures. Thank you God for sending Jesus. Thank you Jesus that you came. Holy Spirit, won't you tell me more about this lovely name? Thank you, God, for sending Jesus. Thank you, God, for sending Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that you came. Thank you, Jesus, that you came. Holy Spirit, won't you tell me more? Would you tell me more about his name? More about this lovely name. Thank you, God, for sending Jesus. Thank you, God, for sending Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that you came. Thank you, Jesus, that you came. Holy Spirit, would you tell me? Thank you, God, for sending Jesus. Thank you, God, for sending Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that you came. Holy Spirit, would you tell me? Father God, we thank you 
that the entrance of your word gives light. We thank you for this very important theme that you have given to us this year to meditate upon, to try to understand, to try to appropriate. We pray that, Lord, you help us to hear, you help us to understand, and you help us to do your will. You know everyone here one by one. You know our names. You know our needs. You know where we are coming from. You know how our journey has been. And so we ask that in your mercy you touch every one of us. In your mercy You answer our prayers. The deep-seated prayers. You know our groanings. You know our longings. You know our desires. You know our thirst. And Lord, we ask. As those song that we have heard this evening. We are the altar. To drink and be satisfied. So be it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. Our theme, incidentally, appears four times in the Bible, as you well know. But what is highlighted there is the last appearance of that great message in Hebrews 10.38. But permit me, if you will, to read a few verses leading to that verse 38 and then stopping at verse 39. Let me begin to read from verse 34. Hebrews chapter 10 from verse 34. For you had compassion on the prisoners, and you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property, since you knew that you knew yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. For you have need of endurance, so that you may do the will of God and receive what is promised. For yet a little while, and the coming one shall come and shall not tarry. But my righteous one shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. I'm reading from the Revised Standard Version actually. 
My righteous one shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed. But of those who have faith and keep their souls. Amen. The just shall live by faith. Actually, it was God's message, a kind of a response from God to the prophet Habakkuk, who in his own time was greatly perplexed. It was in that time of perplexity, confusion, and trouble that God said so many things to him and then make this very big theological de declaration. The just shall live by faith. According to Dr. C.I. Schofield in that his great study Bible, he said that this theme that we are handling, the just shall live by faith, is the summary of the whole Bible. And it's only when you begin to look at it that you will understand that from beginning to the end, that is what the Bible is talking about. So we are dealing with a very, very important thing. The just shall live by faith. It's very relevant, especially in these days in which people have said that the church is a scam. Many people are wondering what is happening with false teachings, fake prophets, fake Christianity, and so on. People are wondering, is it the kind of church that C.H. <clears throat> Spurgeon, John Wesley, uh, and many others, George Whitfield, is it the same church that even Billy Graham and others labored for? Is it the same church that turned things around and there was revival in Wales? And many parts of the world. Now, people even, even are talk, are talk, people are talking in this country about what happened some years ago, late sixties, early seventies, and so on. Who are the people that are born again? Do we know them? Is there any difference? Apart from that, why is it that it appears that the church is not impacting the society? Why is it that it's not only the political problems, the economy that is getting worse by the day, 
But even the so-called spirituality, if we can talk about Christian spirituality, what is it that makes things to be fed in? There is a watering down of standards. If there are standards anymore. And so, a few people who are still reading their Bibles, and some of them that saw a little bit of what happened some time ago, or what they read concerning the revivals, or even what they read from the Bible, they are saying, where are we now? That's why I'm so, so happy that you people are able to think about this topic. It's so relevant. The just shall live by faith. But for today, for this evening, we want to briefly look at what I call who is the just. That's where I want to begin. Who is the just? Who is the righteous one? And you see, this statement, the just shall live by faith, seems to, on the one hand, lay emphasis on the just, and then talking about living. What kind of life are we talking about? And then word, faith. The three aspects. Faith. When we talk about the just, it means that there are unjust. The righteous means that there are the unrighteous. The wicked. Some call, sometimes called the sinners. So, you see immediately that whether we accept or not, I mean when I say we, I don't mean people here, but I mean whether the world accepts it or not there are two classes of people and they are going two different ways and they are going to end in two different destinations that is what Psalm 1 tells us we may come to that later on you see this has to do with the issue of sin. That sin has come into the world. And whether people accept that there is something like sin or not, the Bible tells us that is what is called sin, transgression, rebellion against God's word. And it is not Shakespeare that will tell us that nothing is good or bad, but thinking makes it so. It's not a matter of what you think. It's a matter of what God says. People live that kind of life, in that kind of philosophy. If you think it's bad, well, it's bad for you. And some people in other studies, maybe psychology and other things, we view sin in a different way. Maybe limitations of man. 
People may just say it's a matter of uh, ignorance. Some people are now saying that man has come of age. The new age people have their own idea of whether they are sin or no sin. So, you see, when we come to a meeting like this, and some of us have wandered in some of these uh, fields, you know, before the Lord cut us. We don't know where we are coming from. But for all sin is disobedience. And that's what happened in the Garden of Eden. God has said, and Satan comes and said, Has God said, this is what you have to do? And man listened to the devil instead of following God's instruction. The failure to follow God's instruction has brought untold sufferings to mankind. And it's not only a present tragedy, it is a future hopelessness in eternal damnation. Sin is falling short of the glory of God. Who is righteous? Isaiah 64 verse 6 tells us, We have all become like one who is unclean, and all our righteousness are like a polluted garment, or like filthy rags, according to the older version. In other words, we have no righteousness of our own, and we are going to emphasize that. No righteousness of our own. Let me go back to that Psalm 1 that I mentioned. Because as I said, it's more of Bible reading. With the time we have. This passage will help every one of us in understanding our theme. Psalm 1. I will read verses 1 to 3. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water. That yields its fruits in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. He has success. In everything he does, he prospers. Are we not talking of prosperity these days? Prosperity is what should be for the Christian, for the righteous. In the right sense of prosperity. The person succeeds. Can never be a failure. Hallelujah. So you know. In a gathering like this. Usually. You see people. Expecting a moment of. One kind of miracles here and there. <laughs> and that is, that is okay. That is okay. But people don't know. Um, some of you have traveled widely and, you know, within and outside the country. And I'm sure you have met some Christians 
um, also in many places. And uh, because sometimes we Africans and Nigerians think that because we talk loud and, and all those things, that it's only here that there's Christianity. But when you meet some people, like George Vera, Operation Mobilization, Lauren Cunningham, and some of those, you know, what we may call um, the charismatics, in their own way. Or if I may even talk of, from my own circle again, Nigel Sylvester, John Dean, and so on and so forth. People who live their life, you know, um, and even in this country, people who are applying scriptures in their daily living. You see that they are not running after one blessing or the other. Because God has said that blessed is the man. Blessed. Once you move into this path we are talking about, the path of righteousness, there is the atmosphere there, if you like, the environment there. What it means that you are in another kingdom and there are things that are obtained in that kingdom. You don't struggle to get those things. That's what people don't understand. When Jesus came, he didn't come to do miracles. He stated his purpose that some of man came to seek and to save the lost. But he had to do miracles to show something about the Father and about the kingdom. That God loves us. He wants good things for us. That all these bad things, the leprosy and what have you, people crippled, blind, or that these things are afflictions of the devil. And they are not happening to people today because they are, they are the worst sinners. The, these things now happen because we are part of the cosmos. We are part of this world. Anything can happen accidentally or in any way and affect even Christians. Many people that have been kidnapped along uh, uh, um, Enugu, Abuja, uh, uh, you know, that Kogiwe and other places. And the other places that kidnap people. Many of them are very good Christians. It's not because of anything. So we are in a world of problems and difficulties and tragedies and, and but in the kingdom there is a different atmosphere there so the Christians the people that are really the righteous are within that kingdom which Jesus Christ has inaugurated that kingdom is still to come in power when he returns but that kingdom is operating right now. But that kingdom is still within this world. In a sense. There's a spiritual life to live. There's a physical life to live. Are you still with me? So. In that psalm. You see the kind of life this person that is blessed is living. 
You see the kind of blessings that follow him. It's like automatic thing. He wasn't fasting and praying for 40 days to get those ones. It's like an entitlement. <laughs> so, if you are here this evening, for any blessing, the first thing you have to do is to make it right with God. And when you sincerely make it right with God, The blessing will come. I say the blessing will come. Now, by the time I finish a little bit now, you discover that when we talk about the righteous, we are not talking about people who have been in the church for many, many years. We are not talking about people who have taken certain positions in the church. We are not talking about people who are very active. They may be part of people who are righteous. But one of the things about superficiality in the church is that we did not, maybe we, we, I say that we did not teach very well what it really means to be a child of God. And so many people are floating. Many people, many people just, just say they answered an altar call. Although they did not even go for follow-up. But some were going for follow-up because even, maybe it was demanded. And at the end of that, not much was achieved. This weekend, I believe there's a deeper work God wants to do in many lives. If you open your eyes very well and listen very well, you will know whether really you are among the righteous, the just, who are living by faith, or whether you are just um, serving God Maybe even as an ordained person. Maybe even as a bishop. Can be anything. So it's not only a committee member or lay leader. It can be anybody. It can be a knight. Somebody who is this and that in the church. And yet, not yet in the kingdom. There is a blessing for those who make it right with God. In the name of Jesus Christ. There is something I want to show you in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. You know it. Because of this prosperity and success that the man who meditates on the word of God, he separates himself from the sinners, the scoffers. There's a clear separation, no compromise. And so he prospers. In that Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, which many of you know of by heart. After talking about people looking for what to eat, what to wear, this and that, every time worrying and worrying, you know, we talk so much about stress these days. Crack your head about this, crack your head. 
He said, just leave those things. Your heavenly father knows. He cares. But first seek ye the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these other things shall be added to you. Or shall be yours as well. According to another version. The kingdom of God and his righteousness. You see that word coming up here. And then these things we follow. God knows your need. The problem with the Christianity of this century. Is the problem of running after signs and wonders. And you know Jesus was not happy with the people seeking for signs and wonders. If you remember. Say no sign will be given to you. Because greater than Jonah is here. Everything is in Jesus. When you have Jesus, you have everything. So get that kingdom. Get into it. Have the assurance of salvation. And then you'll be, you'll be, you'll be amazed as how God will be blessing you and making you a blessing to others. Amen. Now, we are still asking the question, who is the just? The first answer I want to give here is that no one there is no one. And that's what my Bible tells me. I will read Romans chapter 3, 10 to 12. It's important to read it. Because we know some of these things already. But you see, when you read again in the Bible, you see some words that are very emphatic. If you have your Bibles, do well to turn to this passage, but if you don't have, just uh, listen very carefully. Romans chapter 3 from verse 10. As it is written, none is righteous, no, not one. You see how it's being repeated. Verse 11. No one understands, no one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have gone as gone wrong. No one does good. Not even one. It's a very serious thing. While you continue in that passage, just to jump a little bit, and come to verse 21 there, you see how he's still stressing the point. Uh, verse 23. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So there is no one righteous. For we are all sinners. And I, I hope we know that is because the history of man, the history of mankind, started in that garden of Eden. When they sinned, we are told, the Bible continues to say it again and again, that in, in Adam we all sinned. 
So it's not only just um, the personal sins uh, which are sometimes enumerated. It is that man is a fallen creature. It is that we are sinful by nature and then we go on sinning. When a child is born and begins to grow, there will be all kinds of bad things emanating from that little child. Just because of human nature. Human nature is sinful. That's what we have to understand. And so, these are the basic things we need to understand. Look at verse 24 and 25. That Romans 3 is a very, very important scripture for us. Romans 3, 24, 25. They are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as an extension by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance he has passed over former sins. It was to prove at the present time that he himself is righteous and that he justifies him who has faith in Jesus. So we see that somebody like Paul, please follow me very carefully here now. Paul was someone who was able to say in Philippians chapter 3 verse 9 that he had no righteousness of his own. But I will come back to that as I very quickly go to what I call how can somebody be just? There's no just person and yet there can be a just person. Maybe I'm a little bit, um, you know, this is like a teaching subject. That Romans 3, 24 and 5 that I read says the person who trusts Jesus Christ is the person that is justified. Who can be just? Who can be righteous? No person. That's not the first answer. The second answer is that the person that is righteous is the person that is justified by Jesus Christ. You know this word righteous, just has to do with it's a legal term really. Um, Connected to morality quite alright. When you talk of the justice of God it's not exactly as the holiness of God. But it's because of the holiness of God that God is just and he will not by any means overlook iniquity. So, there's a debt to be paid. And that debt is that we have sinned and the wages of sin is death. Romans chapter 6, verse 23. 
And Jesus came and paid that debt so that we may be free. He was just, he has justified us. So how can we now receive that which Jesus has given to us? Because of ourselves, we can never be among the just. That is the second question or the third one. The, the other question we're asking here. How can somebody be among the just? Number one, remove the obstacle of self-righteousness. There is an obstacle. There is a hindrance. There is an obstruction for you to get into that kingdom. And that obstacle is self-righteousness. Can somebody say self-righteousness? Can somebody say self-righteousness? That is another thing that we have as human beings. It's part of our sinfulness. And um, it's connected to pride. But one of the things that we are going to discover as a lesson, which all of us know, but let us touch it again. The man called Cornelius in Acts chapter 10. Cornelius in Acts chapter 10. I will read verses 1 to 3. Listen very carefully there. At Caesar's at Caesarea's there was a man named Cornelius. A centurion of what was known as Italian cohort. A devout man who feared God with all his household gave alms liberally to the people and prayed constantly to God. About the ninth hour of the day he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God coming in and saying to him, Cornelius. So, you see this man. He was devout, sharing God, you know. That, 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 it's just the same thing actually. Though people try to separate it. The fact that he was described as being devout was because he was God-fearing. He could reverence God. He was a Gentile, but he has come to know the Jewish God. He was a proselyte. He had that, that deep reverence for God. And he gave arms, liberally for that matter. You know, he was so generous in helping others. And then he prayed constantly. See how these things are being described. That was the kind of man that Cornelius was. And then, to the extent that he was able to even receive vision. Vision from God, not from elsewhere. That an angel came and gave him a message. But that angel could not save him. How many people here have reached that extent of praying and an angel coming to give you a message? And yet, this man was in a state in which he was not saved. He could not be among the righteous, the just. Something had not happened in his life. So when we say things like this, people get annoyed. 
But today we are seeing people who have served God for many, many years, even with color, repenting. When people want to tell themselves the truth, they will tell themselves the truth. Because you know what you are struggling with. Yes, others may not know, but you know. And even if you don't know, God knows that you have a need. And that's why you need to open up yourself. That is the thing we are talking about. Remove self-righteousness. If you are going to get to the place God wants you to be. Apostle Paul had the same problem. So it's now that I'm going to read that Philippians very quickly. Philippians chapter 3. You will see his credentials in verses 5 and 6. Philippians chapter 3. Verses 5 and 6. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel. So he was a member of the covenant nation. He belonged to the covenant. Covenant people. A Hebrew. Born of Hebrews. Of tribe of Benjamin. As to law a Pharisee. As to zeal a persecutor of the church. As to righteousness under the law, blameless. No fornication, no adultery, and so on and so forth. He was blameless under the law. But look at verse 9. After talking about all the things he had to give up, he said in verse 9, that verse 9 should be underlined in everybody's Bible. It's very, very important. Some people know verse 10, but they don't know verse 9. And to be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own, based on law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. Righteousness from God. That depends on faith. Through faith in Christ. The word faith comes twice there. In that one verse. Through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God. That is by faith. So that is what we are talking about. Not his credentials. Not, not what he was under Judaism. That was his religion. For many people today, the English people or whatever people, or the Africans or, or, or um, you know, missionaries brought uh, what we call Christianity. That's how they understand it. That's why some people still call it white man's um, religion, which is not. And so, it's a part of civilization. And they, they just go like that. You see many people today, with all that they, they are in the church, they belong to all kinds of local courts and foreign courts. And even get into occultism. They, 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 they get into what they call um, culture. And not the good aspect of culture, but the hidden, pagan aspect of culture. And they try to get confused. Because to them, Christianity is religion. So when they are there, 
they don't have the power of the Holy Spirit. They are still looking for power elsewhere. Looking for protection elsewhere. People are still in the church. But going down the riverside. Into the forest. To consult with all kinds of other things. It's very unfortunate. Very, very unfortunate. Because we don't know him. Religion is the opium of the people. But not Christianity. No, it's, it's something like, it's just like something you, you take, you know, like these people that take, um, what they call it, goof, and all these uh, drugs, and they say that they're high, and they just do all kinds of things they do. That's why those atheists condemn religion. But Christianity is life in Christ. Now, this Paul, I've talked about Cornelius, to show you that these things we are doing as religion cannot help anybody. Paul himself was very much qualified in his own religion. But when he was praying in Romans chapter 10, because of his own experience, he was praying for his people, the Jews now. It's one of the best places I like in this Bible. Romans 10. I will read again. Just verses 1 to 4. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for them is that they may be saved. I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but is not enlightened. The other version says it's not according to knowledge. For being ignorant of the righteousness that comes from God and seeking to establish their own they did not submit to God's righteousness. For Christ is the end of the law, that everyone who has faith may be justified. Everyone who has faith may be justified. You see this righteousness of God, God's righteousness coming again and again. We don't have righteousness of our own, and we can never. And until something happens, then the righteousness of God can come into us, whether imparted or imputed, and it can be both. It comes, the righteousness of God begins to work in our lives. So, if we are going to uh, be among the just, the first thing is to remove the obstacle of self-righteousness, and that is what I've done with now. The second thing is we must repent of all our sins. We must repent of our sins. And if we are going to repent, the first thing is to acknowledge that we have sinned. The Bible says, if we say we have not sinned, we are deceiving ourselves. And there is no truth in us. But we will confess and forsake our sins. God is just and he is able and he is willing. God is always ready to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Amen. So, humbly confess your sins. Accept that there are things that you are not doing pleasing God. You must accept that. You must accept that. It's very important. It takes humility. 
When you allow the word of God to have its way into your life, there is a brokenness. And that's where the chain begins. Then there's godly sorrow. Godly sorrow. It will pay you that you have been wasting your life all these years. A life of wastefulness. In one thing or the other. You will forsake that sin. There's nothing like repenting and then you are still attracted to it. You are still attracted to it. Like these days that you know that whether you like it or not, you will see evil and you will hear evil. Even on the streets or on your phone, they will flash anything in your phone. This is the age in which we live. And if you are not watchful, if you are not really determined and decided concerning your life, <laughs> this is a very dangerous generation. You see, forsake it. Deal with those things. The things you have to delete, be deleting them immediately, deleting them. And those things that you will see, when you see, take away your eyes. Take away. Because God has given you your ability to control things. Don't just continue to gaze at what you know that will not profit you. And you'll be blaming those people. Why are you blaming them? They don't know. See Paul here crying, praying for them. See, you know, because some of these people you see doing all kinds of things. In some of the churches they go, there are ushers there, they are in the choir there, they are in all kinds of things there. This stems zeal without knowledge. That's what we, we see about them. Repentance means acknowledging your sin. It means godly sorrow. It means forsaking that sin. It means making restitution where necessary and possible. That is, right the wrong if you can. That's what we mean by restitution. Are you still there? If you are still there, can you wave your hand? Let me see those who are awake. God bless you. Hallelujah. Matthew 1, 21. This was what was said about Jesus before he was even born. Matthew 1, 21. All of you know it. His name shall be called J-E-S-U-S. Jesus. Yeshua. Why? Because he will save his people from their sins. That is why he came. My sin and your sin. God. Who said. On that very day that man sinned. That the seed of the woman. Will crush the head of serpent. And many prophets spoke about this Messiah. Over centuries. Under the fullness of time. He came in a very lowly way. Jesus came. God in human flesh. It's a mystery that we can never understand. It's something that amazes us. It is love inestimable. Imaginable. For the love that he has for us. He came. In such a very 
humiliating situation right from birth to the cross. He suffered. But thank God he knew his mission and spoke to his disciples. These things will come to be but the son of man will rise on the third day. And the Bible tells us that he died for our sins and he rose again for our justification. That's the word we are talking about. Dear friends, because he died for our sins and he actually rose majestically from death, he has conquered sin. He has conquered the devil. He has given us that victory that we shall live a victorious life. Can somebody shout hallelujah? hallelujah. If you are as excited as I am now, can you shout hallelujah? hallelujah? This is Jesus who is here in our midst. Looking at every one of us. And wondering how many of you have responded to this love. The theme for our Sunday, and I mean we have our own theme, but the theme for Sunday in most of the churches this coming Sunday is repentance response to God's love to divine life. If you know that God loves you and you are looking for anything good again from God, the first response to God's love is repentance. He has given you the greatest of all gifts in His Son, Jesus Christ. And if you refuse to receive that gift, what again are you looking from God? That's why people leave the church, they leave uh, the gospel, and they're running to Satan. You know, let me get it. Anyhow I get it, it's alright for me. Anyhow I get it. The angels rise the means. I'm looking for a child. I'm looking for this. Marriage. Everything. Everything. All these things we're looking for. And therefore jumping to all kinds of places that we end here. But those who do the will of the Father, they will abide forever. Amen. Amen. Dear friends, I want to tell you that as I'm trying to conclude now, Romans chapter 3, this is how we are going to end this idea of entering into thy kingdom. Receiving what Jesus has done for us. And then, being among the just. Who are the just? The just are those who are justified by Christ. Who have repented. Who have Jesus in their lives. And Jesus cannot come into your life, really. Unless in the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's why we talk of God the Father. God the Son. God the Holy Spirit. And yet one God. You don't see Jesus Christ moving into your heart. He said, I'm going, but I will send the comforter. I will send the other person like me, Allah's Paracletus. He just said, the other, my other self will come. And he has come. Hallelujah. On the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came. And no one has the right to continue to live in defeat, in weakness. Not every little disappointment you give up. 
I feel so sad when I hear of suicide here, suicide here. Even among our students, girls are disappointed. This man did not want to marry me again. Suicide. For what? The just shall live by faith. There is always hope for the Christian. Look at that passage so that when you get it, you will fly by the grace of God. You will be waiting for rapture. You will be one of those who will be praying, Come, Lord Jesus. You will not say, Wait, I have not finished this. Wait, I have not finished that. You will be longing for that home above. Hallelujah. The only thing that will keep you here is to continue to witness for Christ. Bringing souls into the kingdom. Romans chapter 3 from verse 20 to 26 is Bible reading. So, some people are accusing me of uh, long passages. But, um, okay. Romans 3 from verse 20. For no human being will be justified in his sight by works of law, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. You see, law brings sin. But now the righteousness of God, you see it coming out again, has been manifested apart from the law. It's manifested in Jesus Christ. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe, underline that verse 22. For there is no distinction, since all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. They are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus whom God put forward as an expiation by his blood, to be received by faith. Yeah. All these emphasis here, they are really wonderful. This was to show God's righteousness, because in his divine forbearance, he had passed over former sins. It was to prove at the present time that he himself is righteous. And that he justifies him who has faith in Jesus. Amen. Amen. There are three keys to salvation. Salvation. This, way, this thing we call salvation. You know the word salvation also means deliverance. The word salvation also means vindication. You know. Salvation. Coming out of darkness. Coming out from the hands of the devil. The wicked devil. And his agents. That's what Jesus did for us. Number one. Is the righteousness of God. The three keys to salvation. As we have tried to do. Before we read this point. If you don't have the righteousness of God. You can never. See the kingdom of God. And you must accept the fact that this is what is needed. Because God is holy. He said, be ye holy. And the only thing that separates man from God is sin. So, 
Let us see the righteousness of God. Let us believe that that is only God is righteous. And he, make his, he can make his righteousness available to us. So that what was lost at the Garden of Eden will be regained. Because when God created man, he created man in his own image and likeness. And that is what he wants to restore. And many will be restored today in the name of Jesus. The second key is what is called the blood of Jesus in that passage. When you go, read it very well. Because we are Russian. You say through the blood, through the blood. The blood there means the death of Jesus. Although these days we talk of blood of Jesus, blood of Jesus, I sprinkle the blood, this and that, it's okay. Because that is not our subject now. But whenever you are saying that, you are pleading. What you are really doing is you are using the finished work of Jesus. Because that is death, was his sacrifice. The final sacrifice offered to God. That's what you are pleading. And it is effective. Whether you call it blood or whatever. But just remember that this blood is not a magical thing. You are talking about the death that he died for us. Amen. So, if you have not been washed in that blood, cleansed by that blood, you don't know the meaning of his death, you cannot see the kingdom of God. And it is that cleansing that brings in the righteousness of God. The righteousness of God, the blood of Jesus Christ, and number three, is faith in Christ who died for us. That faith is our response. That is to believe. That is the way we make it our own. We can appropriate the finished work of Jesus Christ by faith. Let me tell you something. I jumped in because there's no time. I don't want to read it again. But Galatians chapter 3, 10 to 14. We tell you that this Jesus, in fact, that Galatians chapter 3, verse 11, is another place that this word comes in. The just shall live by faith. He says that if you want to fulfill the law, which you cannot, There will be jealousy, there will be envy, there will be backbiting, there will be gossiping. You know, even pride, all kinds of things. Even if you say, you, you, you don't steal, you don't commit fornication, you don't do this. You know, there's all kinds of sins. Man can never please God by himself or herself. So, he says there that the law will, if you, if you don't keep all the law, you are cursed. And that's why Jesus was taken to the cross. Because anyone that hangs on the cross is cursed. I have to take that curse on our behalf. You know, there are so many aspects of the work of Jesus Christ. And one of the things he did for us was to take away the curse of the Lord. That is, Obobono Nkocha. And when you have received by faith the finished work of Jesus Christ, forget about ancestral costs. Forget about generational costs or whatever causes. Because I'm telling you that those who know Christ very, very well, 
and have received the true gospel, there's a transformation that cuts you off from whatever somebody did whether 100 years ago or 50 years ago. Because you are now with a new covenant. You are now in a new kingdom. Do you believe that? I don't know whether you believe. I'm not saying there are no need for some prayers in which some people are set free from all kinds of bondages, you know. There are certain things that are ridiculous now that people are doing and saying because of immaturity. Are we growing in grace? Every time, this, 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 people will pray all night just that this is a curse. Which kind of curse? So, when you have received all these things, you are a just person. Therefore, there is no condemnation to hellfire. You are a just person. You are free from every curse. You are a just person. Righteous by Christ. You are entitled to God's blessings. Miracle is something that comes day by day. Comes in different ways. But above all, you are a candidate for heaven. Amen. Amen. Tomorrow we talk more about faith. But let us pray together. You want to sit, you sit. You want to stand, you stand. But we are going to pray together in a moment. There is no name I know. There is no name like Jesus' name. The Son of God. Died on the cross. Died on the cross. There is no name so sweet. There is no name so sweet. There is no name so sweet. Like Jesus' name. Like Jesus' name. Died on the cross. Died on the cross. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Jesus. talk to God a little bit from what you have heard, from what you have studied. Can you respond to God? <clears throat> you want to thank Him for salvation? You want to make some confessions? Jesus is here. Jesus is here. Just talk to Him briefly.
Speak to him, speak to him, speak to him. He's here to bless, he's here to save. As we are praying, I want to know if you are here this evening. And the word of God has come to you, revealing the fact that yes, you are trying. But you are not yet there. You are not yet there. You are not yet. There's something blocking your way. There's a hindrance. You are struggling. You are trying. But it's not by struggling and trying. There's a way to receive by faith. What Jesus Christ has done for you. Can you acknowledge your sin? Can you confess your sin? Can you say Jesus come into my life. Even tonight. If you are such a person, can you raise up your hand very high so that we can pray with you if you are here this evening. Let us pray. Father, we thank you and bless you for this, our sister, who has raised up hands. You know where she's coming from. You know her struggles. You know her problems. I pray that, Lord, you will help her to make a breakthrough. Forgive her her sins. Cleanse her from all unrighteousness and fill her with your spirit, O oh God, and help her to live the Christian life. In the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus Christ. Now that you know that the righteous are blessed, that are successful, that they prosper, I want you to ask God to bless you, whatever that blessing may be right now. Ask God. That in this service tonight, I'm going with your blessing according to your word. And this is my need, which I'm receiving from you. I'm going to give a testimony that having sat under this word, which has confirmed that your will for us is good, that I'm going home with this blessing. Look at what I'm struggling with in my office. In my business. Lord, I need a miracle in this direction. Some people are saying Christianity does not pay. But God, you are going to show them in my life and circumstances that even here and now you do bless your people. Pray that prayer, pray that prayer, pray that prayer and believe it. Oh, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. In the name of Jesus Christ. Father, I want to thank you. Your word has gone forth and we fulfill that for which you have sent it forth. Some people need encouragement here so that they will not shrink back. May you give them that encouragement. To continue to press forward and never to look back. Father, we are trusting you for the rest of the days. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen.